Today's uh, scripture reading is from uh, Luke 18, 18 through 23. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Uh, for those of you who are just dropping in, I know that there has been uh, a few over the weeks, and you have not met me. My name's Tim Lian. I am the pastor here at The Way. Uh, we got our name from uh, a very ancient uh, term for God's people and church. The early church called themselves the followers of The Way. That was before... Um, non-Christians in Acts uh, began to call them Christians or Christians. So our, we named our church The Way as followers of Jesus. Glad to have you here. We are about a month away from elections. Our president has COVID-19. The Dodgers and the Lakers are playing for championships at the same time, which is very odd. The days are odd. But we're glad you're here this morning with us. We are in the fourth installment of our fall series. It's an eight-week series, but we're in our fourth installment. And we're calling the series For One Another. It's about a community that loves each other well. A community that loves each other well. And a key idea for this series comes from John 13. And Jesus says this. He says, uh, other people... Outsiders will know that you follow me and not any other ideology when they see this, when they see the community of belief loving each other well. And so this week, um, we've looked at different aspects, and this week we want to do this. We want to look at understanding the influences outside of our brother and sister. Okay, so last week we looked inside, asking good questions that would pull their inside out. But this week we want to look at the, the critical influences that press upon our brother and sister. Uh, there's a one-sentence summary for all of today, and it's this. A caring community explores and understands the critical influences that either heals or harms its members. So let's jump into our teaching. Uh, was read from Luke 18. And there is the rich young ruler. And he's, ask, he's asking a question. What do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do. Uh, Alright? To get the blessing and the approval, the inheritance of God. Just tell me what to do. Now, I, 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 would, I would say this, is we, we are asking that same question, too. Uh, may, maybe even this morning. You're going to be like, look, look, tell me all the spiritual stuff, but then tell me what I have to do. 
So it's a very basic question. Uh, just tell me what I have to do. And so Jesus, when he hears this question from a very young, wealthy guy who has power and wealth, uh, he says, okay, so if we're talking strictly about actions now, um, we're not talking about faith or anything. We're just going to play it straight down the middle. And we're just going to talk about actions. Because you asked me, what do I have to do? And so Jesus says, here it is. This is all you have to do. You just have to be perfect. Right? And, and what I mean by that is, I, I know that may sound funny, but it's like, just do all of God's laws. That's it. And, and it's actually very, very, very simple. Please don't overthink this. Like, if God has standards and rules and commands and statutes, whatever it is, like, just do them and do them perfect. Like, don't mess up. and Just do that and you're okay. You're good. You're good. Now, <laughs> this, is a, this is the funniest part of this situation. It, it, it's, it's hilarious. The, the rich young ruler says this, <laughs> and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but you can you can look at this in Luke 18 there. He says this. He goes, yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've been meeting the standards of God. Like, I, I, I'm not even one of those people that has a good streaks of one week or two weeks or three weeks strung together. No, um, I've been perfectly awesome since as far back as I can remember. <laughs> now, now, this is really hilarious. All right, it's hilarious for a couple reasons. So, um, who says this? Who says, yeah, I, I've been perfect. Uh, look, not many people say this. Like, even my friends who are not into Jesus or Christianity, like, they're not, they, they're not going to claim perfection. Okay, so it's hilarious because he goes, "Yeah, looking back, I I have, I have done that." So the the, the second part that's really funny is um, uh, everyone gets the joke when we read it, um, but he's he's serious, like he doesn't get it, like. Like Jesus leaves it out there, and he doesn't get. It. He's totally blind. So, 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 what do we call that in 2020, dude? You have no self awareness. Like you can't even see yourself. Like you should just step over here and look at you, right? He, he doesn't have self awareness. Now, this is this is really really big. Um, what is the thing that will let the man? The rich young guy. What's the thing that's going to let him see himself? All right, all right. So Jesus is this. The, Jesus is knowing this. He says, um, um, "This man has to see something outside of himself." Right. That's his wealth. Right. He has to see how his wealth presses on his own heart and is influencing his own heart and sways his heart and grabs his affections. He has to see how his wealth grabs his affections. He has uh, right. He has to see how something on the outside of himself is the basis 
for his own self-estimation, his own understanding, his own value, worth, whatever you want. Uh, all right. So, so this is really interesting. Is sometimes we are so caught up in ourselves, we do not appreciate under, or understand or maybe even realize that we are moved. We are moved from in outside influences. So Jesus is brilliant. Well, he's more than brilliant. Uh, Jesus is wisdom itself. Okay, so 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 Jesus does this. It, it's almost it feels funny to me, but I'm not. I don't know if Jesus was was attempting any sort of shred of humor. Uh, but he goes, okay. I'm going to give you a task. You've asked me to do. What do I have to do? And I said all the law of God, and you didn't get that. You didn't even get that. Okay, so I'm going to give you a task, and the task that I give you is going to be way, way, way less than the perfect law of God. It's going to be easier than the law of God. In fact, it's just simple, simple external actions. And he says this, bro, just sell all your wealth, your stuff, um, give the wealth then to the poor, and... And don't worry. This is this is the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus says, "And don't you'll you'll get more in heaven. So don't so don't even worry about your stuff. You'll get you'll get you'll get it later. Um. So so sell your stuff, give it to the poor. I'm gonna give you more later, and then just come learn from me. And it's interesting, um, in, in the account there in Luke, is that the rich young ruler. Moves from smugness uh, to sadness. He had asked Jesus, just give me something to do. What do I have to do? And Jesus gave him something to do. Something uh, actually achievable. But what, more importantly, what is happening? Um, Jesus is showing him himself. So, so the rich young ruler, maybe perhaps for the first time in his young life, he's thinking, oh, I do listen to my wealth more than anything else. Oh, you know what? Uh, my wealth is my standard. Oh, my wealth is my approval, my my estimation of myself and others. You know what? My wealth is my inheritance and my stand. My wealth is my justification. My my wealth is my true law, my true north star. I, I've used it for myself. I've used it on other people. And since I've piled it high, I'm good and they bad. And he might have realized, oh... My wealth owns me. I don't own my wealth. All right. That is not an exhaustive teaching of Luke 18. But it's a good enough summary for today. Um, Here's where we're going. The difference between Jesus and you, the difference between Jesus and me, um, in this situation here, is he, he already knew that the wealth was the rich young ruler's voice that he was listening to, the greatest voice that he was listening to. He knew this. He knew that the wealth was this young guy's law, 
his this young guy's justification, this young guy's security, this young guy's joy. Jesus didn't need to know that, but but this young man needed to know it and see it for himself. Now, this is the difference: is Jesus knew that, but we don't know our brothers and sisters, right? We don't even know the influences that push on their hearts. We don't know the voices that they're listening to. Um, Not to deep understanding. Some of us might. Um, But the reason why we don't is because we're not Jesus. And that might be a little bit of a news flash for some of you. But because we're not Jesus, um, we are going to have to know and understand what is pressing in on our friends and our neighbors and our brothers and sisters' hearts. We're going to need to know that. So last week we did this. We talked about asking good heart questions to the inside of our friend's heart to pull it out so that we would know what's going on in there. So so um, we talked about asking good questions. Now, that is very good. And that's going to take a lifetime to learn, but, but, but it's incomplete. Because now, in light of our teaching this morning, we want to focus on something. We want to we want to focus on understanding something outside our friends that's going to enable us to understand what's going on inside with our friends. So it's not just about finding um, the darkness, right? All the bad influences on our friends, all the idolatry. That's one aspect. But if you remember from last week, it's finding... Um, both the beautiful and the broken. So we are actually trying to find influences that heal our friends and also harm or hurt our friends. Uh, I I was an assistant to uh, Jerem Bars. Um, He's at the Francis Schaeffer Institute in St. Louis. And he was insistent that um, uh, myself and also his students that we understand we understand people before we try to help people, which just seems like common sense. Like, it, you know, you go to a doctor, the doctor needs to understand you before he even attempts to help. It just seems like common sense. But you'd be surprised that when it comes to Christianity, um, Christians are often dumping their, their help and their opinions and their belief before they even know somebody. So at best, it's annoying. At worst, it, 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 it's it's outright cruelty. So, so Jerem Bars would have his students do this. Um, he, would, he would require us. He'd say, I want you to identify a hobby or a pursuit or an activity that a neighbor or a friend loves. And that's all they talk about. And that's what they do in their spare time. I want you to identify it. But he said this, I, I don't want you to in- I just identify it like you're some dispassionate scientist walking above their life. No, he asked us to do this. He said, identify that pursuit, that interest, that, that voice, and I want you to pursue that interest deeply for an entire semester. 
right? So I'll give you a superficial example. So if my neighbor loves bowling and he won't stop talking about bowling and he's part of a bowling league, then, then this is what I would have to do. Like I would have to join a bowling league and then I would read a book on bowling and I would watch a bowling movie and I would watch a bowling documentary and then I'd find other two people to do the bowling with me and then I'd go bowling with my neighbor and then when I came back and had dinner with my neighbor we'd talk about bowling right so this is this is what he was trying to do he said I am going to get you to explore the outside thing that is influencing and pressing upon your friend on the inside and it's not just for some silly conversion technique. That's baloney because that's dehumanizing. He said, it's for the purpose of this. I am going to ultimately understand my neighbor deeply, my friend deeply. I'm going to understand his affections, the, his unique shape of his heart um, so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know my neighbor more. And in understanding him more, I can give help more. I'm not going to touch on these much, but I do want to recognize that there are many things that, or influences that can press upon us. So they can actually be circumstances, like you're you're in a work situation with an unreasonable boss. Well, that, that can influence a person. It can give them a lens on life that colors a lot of different things. It can even be, and I'm not going to touch on this a lot, but it's a huge one. Um, it can even be like pain. Someone has a debilitating, ongoing pain, and that will influence and press upon their heart in a unique way. And so it's up to us to uh, look, discover, explore, understand, um, maybe even um, read about, do research on, so that um, not just empathy, but then we understand the response to pain. So I'm not going to really highlight that this morning, but what I do want to do is I want to mostly highlight um, people and ideas and voices that our friends listen to um, that will um, en enable us to know them. So I'm going to start with some negative examples first, and I think they'll get a little bit more positive. There, there was a guy in my church who loved Ayn Rand, um, author, and um, it, he kept on talking about how um, her philosophies um, would would help us economically, would help us socially, and would help us culturally. And he was always quoting Ayn Rand and proposing um, we, we kind of follow her philosophy on life. I won't get into that system. I don't think we don't really have the time for it uh, today. But 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 this is what I had to do is I had to begin to read Ayn Rand and I had to begin to interact with it because um, I knew that was his interest and his um, he was being critically influenced by um, Ayn Rand. And so uh, what I did is I had to begin to compare and contrast it with uh, Je the gospel of Jesus's kingdom. And it was really, really hard to square Ayn Rand's philosophies with God's economy for the world. And, and, and so I, I would have these conversations with him and he'd say, yeah, 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 but the church is way different from reality. And so um, that was a conversation, right? A conversation where I'd say, oh, no, no, we have one reality, one world, and we need to make them unified. And let me, let me show you where Ayn Rand is at odds with the gospel of Jesus. Um, well, uh, he, he didn't stick around at the church very long. 
Um, but uh, there was another situation. I, I, I had a guy, um, a young man, and uh, there was another guy that he admired so much. And this guy was a playboy, and he had a bunch of cars and women, and he just did and got whatever he wanted. But my, the friend that I knew um, would always quote this guy, and he was listening to that voice, and, and basically he was just like, I want to be like that guy because he said this, and he did this, and he went here, and I, I want to emulate my life after here. So what did I have to do? Um, I had to understand this guy, and so um, I asked for the introduction because I wanted to understand this other voice pressing in on my friend, and I believe in a very, very destructive way. And so I got to know this friend more and more um, so that I could also understand this other friend. Um, uh, Many examples here. I, I, I actually might... I, I wrote down like 15 of them, but um, uh, here's another one. Um, there was a, there was a guy in my church. Um, he was he ran uh, uh, he was a plant manager at at Mercedes, and so um, I had to begin to understand what his work was was consumed with, and so I had to begin to understand um, processes and precision and efficiency and complex logistics um, working in concert with each other. Um, I, I had to read a book, read a book about. Um, the history of Mercedes. I had to go to his plant. I had to do many, many things to understand where he was coming from so that when I talked to him, uh, not only was there understanding, I I understood what he prized. He he prized complex thought and rationale and logical steps. He prized those things. It helped me interact with him in a better way. Um, let me give you another example, my leadership. So I, 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 you guys know I like to read. I'm a nerd. I'm a word nerd. Um, I, I'm a, I average about a book a week. Um, and so my leadership in, in, in my last church is they said, look, would you please, would you please give us what you're reading, right? That's like, um, that's like almost 52 voices a year that we know press upon you. Give us what you're reading so that we can understand you too. I thought that was a very gracious thing that they asked me. Um, I have a friend, uh, Jimmy Hopper, and he was the first friend that I've ever had um, that was 30 years older than me. And I was taught, like many of you, is you appropriately show respect and deference um, to people older than you, which is right and good. But what you never do is you never show ease. You never show comfort. You never show um, uh, your true self because your true self would not be respectful. Um, well, well, Jimmy is uh, uh, the first older man, 30 years my senior, where um, over time he became uh, not just a, uh, you know, an acquaintance, but a real friend. Uh, I, can't, I, I laughed freely, and I didn't cloak myself, and I didn't um, guard my inappropriate comments. Um, I, I, I was myself around him. Uh, now, I realized something about Jimmy when our relationship began to grow, is that he loved poetry. And I don't want you to think of like, um, he liked the poetry where you you imagine yourself with a sketchbook in 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 a field under a tree and there's butterflies everywhere and there's Vaseline over the lens and it's very romantic. No, he, it, it, he loved um, 
the way the words went together, expressing massive ideas into tight, beautiful phrases. It, 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 it wasn't sentimental poetry. But, but this is, because I knew this, I knew this is, I, I had appreciated poetry in the past, but I would have to delve into poetry in a newer way than I had ever done before. Because it was something that he had loved and picked over and marveled at. And, and so it gave me a window to Jimmy that I would never have known before. And so he introduced me in my 30s to um, Gerard Manley Hopkins. And, and, and he would give me these. And he goes, you have to read this. You have to read this. Tell me what you think. We talk about it. We talk about the, the shape of it and the phrases and the tightness and the cadence. And, and, and uh, we would talk over these things. So um, one of those examples is it, it came from uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. And I don't even know the rest of this poem. But I know, I know this part because it was so memorable. Uh, because we geeked out over it. And it's in um, uh, uh, that nature is a, a resurrection, the power, no, uh, nature is a Heracletian force and the power of the resurrection. So he says this, he goes, there's this portion in that, that poem that says, in a flash, at a trumpet crash, I am all at once what Christ is since he was what I am. And this jack, joke, poor potsherd, patch, Matchwood, a mortal diamond, is a mortal diamond, and so we would geek out over that section. I remember that section. We geek out over it, and we'd say, "Wasn't it? It wasn't amazing that he fit in um, the resurrection and the substitutionary atonement and 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 uh, my crap and my sin." Uh, sorry, kids, I, I shouldn't have said that. My crud, uh, uh, my sin and his righteousness and then his righteousness making me right like he's crammed these all of these huge theological ideas into this little bit and we bonded over that but we didn't just bond over it because of affinity that we were word nerds um, we understood something about the warp and the woof of how our respective hearts worked and what they longed for and what they struggled with and 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 knowing each other's hearts turned into laser targeted help how do i know that pain his daughter committed suicide and I'm in his living room. And over and over, you feel deep, deep sadness. I should have been a better dad. I should have been a better dad. And in saying this over and over, what is he saying? This, this, now this is killing me. Now I am dying. He reminded me of this later. Because he said, I paused and, and then I whispered something to him. 
this Jack joke. Poor potsherd patch. Matchwood. Immortal diamond. Is a mortal diamond. And then I told him, and if you had pulled the trigger yourself, I would be telling you the very same thing. If we had never explored that outside thing, if I had never delved into poetry that would press upon a man's heart to heal, you know what I would have had for him? I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. I'm so sorry. And that's all right. But it's not the same, is it? Um, There is an unexpected hidden bonus that will happen when you begin to explore the pursuits and the influences that your friend also listens to. My world has been broadened beyond my wildest, my own personal affinities and pursuits. That's a hidden bonus. But you, you, this morning, you don't have to attempt this for 500 people. Um, it may be that there's only several in the in our community at the way that y- you know more than most. Maybe maybe even like more than most. Um, but you will you'll not only just learn things, but you will relearn the depth of those around you. Not just through asking good questions, but knowing and exploring the things that their heart listens to. Okay. I, I have some final thoughts for us all. And um, the first is a quote from Thomas Chalmers. And he wrote a little essay called uh, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And that that title uh, describes this. It describes that we might have something in us, an affection that we hate. And the way to get rid of it is to find a greater, better, newer affection to displace it. So this is a quote from Thomas Chalmers, and I'll I'll read the quote in full, and then I'll make some final comments. Uh, He says this, In a word, if if the way to disengage the heart from the positive love of one great and ascendant object is to fasten it in positive love to another then it is not by exposing the worthlessness of the former, but by addressing to the mental eye the worth and the excellence of the latter, that all old things are to be done away and all things are to become new. Okay. One day, one day, knowing Right? Knowing what is pressing upon people in our community, knowing what is influencing and grabbing and fighting for the affection of their hearts. One day, when 
we sit down with our friend, um, we are going to have a conversation like I would have if I sat down with the rich young ruler. So this is me. I would say, hey, young, wealthy guy. Hey, you know, okay, you know how you're pretty rich, like really rich? You know that, you know that teacher and rabbi that, that you were just talking to? He's the richest ever. Like Solomon plus, Bezos plus. And he would probably say, no way. And I would say, Yahweh. Uh, you know when you asked that question? You know when he asked you the question, you know, um, and you couldn't give up your wealth? I, I get it. That's hard, right? Uh, like, like it's easier to drive a Tesla through my ring than give that up. Am I right? And he would say, yeah, no. Right? Um, and I would say, hey, do you want to hear something incredible? Because it looks like you're sad. And he'd say, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Tell me my Apple stocks are popping. And I would say, well, no, 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 not that, not that. Um, you know that teacher, that rabbi guy who asked you those questions? Um, did you know that he did exactly what you couldn't do? One day, like, you got you to gotta, you gotta hear me on this. Did you know that there was a day, like, he gave up all of his mega wealth? And he says, no way. And I say, yeah. And he says, now why in the hell would he do that? And I say, exactly. To buy you back from there. What does Chalmers say? The way to disengage the heart from the positive love of one great and ascendant object is to fasten it in a positive love of a higher object. That's why we want to, that's why we want to know what's captured the heart of our friends, the affections of our friends, because we want to show them someone who's even bigger, more ascendant than what has grabbed their hearts. One sentence summary for you today before we pray. A caring community explores and understands the critical influences that either heals or harms its members. That's something to pray for. So would you join me? Our Father, we are grateful that you understand the contours of our hearts. And you have orchestrated all things. Where we live and who we've married and will marry. Our friends. Even the very difficulties that have pressed upon us. You have orchestrated this. So that we become to understand our own hearts and to see you. Jesus, by your Spirit, would you allow us to see and pursue these things that 
our friends listen to, be it circumstance or pain or physical difficulty or voices or books or gurus or other people, may, may we seek to understand them for the purpose of understanding our friends and helping them the best. Only you can do this. So we ask for your help. Help us, we pray. Amen.